Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Deadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to review what everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Super. Oh! Pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a money quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review last night's AEW Dynamite and an eventful show, Sidge. One normal day of AEW. That's all I ask. <laughs> That's all I ask. Jesus Christ. So much to talk about. So much that was great. So much that was divisive. Tiny amount of absolute dreck. <laughs> Mistakes not being learned from... I just, there's no point in giving a big sweeping summary because it was so all over the place that you'd spend an hour trying to put it together. So I think we have to go bit by bit, but Hamlet, you might disagree. Well, no, yeah. The, I thought I thought the first hour was bad and then I'm pr- not sure if the second hour exists yet. I'm not sure if I took it in or if anything occurred because I just found myself in a in a fog for the duration of it. Um, yeah, it, I think there was something quite fitting about last night's Dynamite coming off the back of all news that had broken just before last night's Dynamite and the news that continued to break off the back of the talent meeting and the stories and whatever, it kind of felt like you were so not supposed to engage with AEW on a kayfabe and real-life level at the same time, but it was as if this Dynamite helpfully overlapped <laughs> in order for you to do so. Um, I'd, like, I don't like chaos. I like it on a Tuesday. That's where I like my chaos. Inside a... Like, filthily populated gym in Florida is where I like my chaos. <laughs> I need a bit more function from a wrestling show than what I've got here. But I am, as Cedric says, like, I'm very much looking forward to going bit by bit to just, uh, to see what I remember about mm. the episode. It, like, it's still playing like a bit of a blur in my mind, the whole thing. Yeah, I've got to say, after that World Tart match, large parts of this show kind of passed me by. And I, I was watching stuff in that main event going, this is spectacular. And yet I was like... I just feel so disengaged from it. But like you say, we'll get into it. We'll we'll run through the show chronologically, and then we'll, when we get to stuff, we'll get to it. Uh, the show opened with a promo train. Chris Jericho <laughs> comes out, uh, makes his entrance, invites out Daniel Garcia. Of course, they're going to have that face-to-face. Uh, Garcia gets his own entrance, uh, which is drowned out by your wrestler <laughs> chance from the crowd. Uh, Jericho obviously tells him to shut up, uh, compliments Garcia's performance last week, and says, look, you know, we all we all said things and did things we regret like us last week because of, you know, maybe it's just due to your disappointment or whatever. All you have to do is apologise, Daniel. 
and uh, Garcia is still quite pissed, understandably, with Jericho. He says, look, you knew how special last week was, how important it was for me and how much I was going to enjoy sharing the ring with my hero, Brian Danielson. And I, and I hung there in with him for 30 minutes. People are talking about how great this match is. It's the type of match I dreamed about since I was a kid. And then you had to come in and ruin it. And Jericho says, well, look, it's because I know deep down you are a sports entertainer. And now all you have to do, Daniel, is say it. But, of course, Danielson's music hits. He comes down before Garcia can say anything. Uh, he says Garcia showed a lot last week. Um, and Jericho just doesn't want to hear any of this nicey-nicey, hair-ruffling, handshaky respect bollocks. He says, right, Garcia, call yourself a sports entertainer. Uh, and Garcia tries to leave, potentially. And uh, when Jericho tries to stop him, Garcia shoves him down, walks out, and that just leaves uh, Danielson and Jericho and uh, Danielson says, I don't really like sports entertainers or sports entertainment, but damn, that was entertaining. Jericho's pissed. He fires back. I'm the last survivor of Stu Hart's dungeon, he says. I know more about wrestling than you ever will. So Danielson's got some questions for him. If you, ask, if you asked Stu Hart who's better between the two of us, who do you think you'd say? If we asked your hero, Chris Jericho, if we asked Owen Hart who is the better wrestler, who do you think he'd say? Uh, and if we wrestled a match right here... Who do you think could win that match? Jericho says, if you want that, you've got it. September 4th at All Out. But before then, you better watch your back. And right on cue, in comes Jake Hager to attack Danielson from behind and lay him out, Sige. You know, a lot of times when you see an attack or a brawl or some kind of physical interaction in AEW that isn't a match, I'm so numb to it at this point. It's a heavily played hand that it just doesn't register as violence or a personal attack happening in front of me. It just feels like a device. Some other way that Hager crashed into Danielson here, knowing what we know mm. of the concussion he suffered at double or nothing. I was a bit, oh, Jesus, he's clattered him there. And it actually got me hyped. There's for another it. one of them on this show as well, coming yeah. later on, yeah. And it really got me hyped for a Jake Hager match. And it's Danielson. I, I won't get Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson. Yes, I will take a Jake Hager match or a tag team match because Jake Hager is <laughs> an underrated tag team guy. But I will put over that because, you know, these things should function to build interest in matches. They are obligations, but they shouldn't necessarily be. I thought that was a really good physical exchange, quite promising between the two. Elsewhere, this segment was broadly fine. Didn't do a great deal for me. And I'm trying to put my finger on why. Daniel Garcia has never appeared more likable. The timing and the performance itself, majestic considering what they're going for here. So that was good. The Danielson-Jericho exchange was merely fine, strong, not electrifying. They didn't have me, oh my God, this is going to be a great pay-per-view match. It, I know it is, but mm. you're meant to feel it. You're not meant to like just tell because of the wrestlers involved. Um, look, this isn't a hot take. I've seen it everywhere. I've felt it since the Triple H thing happened. The sports entertainment stuff's instantly dated. When they're saying wrestling more often than AEW, you hear the word sports entertainment on AEW TV just as much as you hear the words wrestling on WWE <laughs> TV now. So it just doesn't work. It's instantly dated. Um, the second that Vince retired... 77 or, now. Oh, yeah. So the tweet's... Well, I was going to say finally accurate, but the second half isn't. Yeah. So, uh, 
Resigned in shame. Yeah, he resigned in <laughs> shame and was basically pushed before he was shoved or whatever, whatever. So it just doesn't really work. And more to the point, right, it's one thing for Eddie Kingston to ban off sports entertainment, okay, because he was never in the WWE system. Um, he resents the WWE system for just refusing to take a look at this generational talent because of his physique, etc., etc. John Moxley, I will absolutely take it all day because he was crushed by the WWE system. He was made a joke by the WWE system. He was miserable within the WWE system. He's got every right to credibly say, sports entertainment, look what it nearly did to me, and look how much better I am away from it. Brian Danielson wrote a very passionate open letter, and I believe the Players' Tribune, something like yeah, that, yeah. where he was like, I was actually extremely conflicted about leaving WWE. I just simply wanted a new challenge. And he expressed his love, his literal love for Vince McMahon in said article. And whenever he's asked, he's very easygoing and he's very candid. He will say to interviewers, oh, you know, you really thought my program with The Miz was going to go all the way from, what, the spring of 2018 to WrestleMania 35. Literally laughed in the guy's face. And he's literally (laughs) laughed in the guy's face. He's also said, oh, you know, the style here isn't, it's not really wrestling what I do, but I enjoy it nonetheless. And he's always, and you know, I actually like working with creative writers. Hmm. I had a great time in WWE. I love Vince. Yeah, it could be different, but it's a start wrestling. I wanted to be a wrestler. I enjoyed what I did, and I enjoyed WWE, and I enjoy sports entertainment, but it's not wrestling. I don't ever want to receive Daniel uh, Brian Danielson as a corny. But he is, because he's, he's lying to us. He's absolutely lying to us. He's lying. <laughs> he's lying. Um, so he's lying to me. He's lying to me as part of this promo, and as a result, I don't buy it. Talk mm. about Bayer Sidgwick. Joint favorite wrestler of all time. Yeah. And I'm calling him a corny and a liar, and that I didn't believe his promo, because I've got so much evidence to not believe him, because it's a really wider wrestling world where we're all privy to the thoughts of wrestlers because they're expressed in... Magazine articles have written themselves, shooting interviews that are on record. Just didn't buy this at all. Yeah, Cedric's Jimmy nailed it there when it comes to Brighton. <laughs> I the Garcia stuff didn't land for me either, you know. Um do you remember when Chris Jericho was Cedric highlighted this on a dynamite review, and I love the observation. When Sammy Guevara either flubbed a line or didn't deliver it with quite as much conviction, and Jericho was like, again, do it like playing like out. Say it in Spanish. Yeah, out front coach, basically. He said, like, say it in Spanish. It wasn't good enough. Say it in Spanish. Very serious look on his face, and it was like, and we're going to. Sammy Guevara said the word again, but with L in front of it, and it was like deadpan, and it was really good. Yeah, it kind of saved a moment for him, didn't it? Like, I think this was one of them times when there was some faith in the arrangement of the segment. I think there was some faith shown in Garcia that Jericho has in himself, right? Garcia coming out and, like, a few weeks ago, the Wheelie Uta feud for the Ring of Honor pure title match was centered around that Garcia had absolutely no respect for this anymore, didn't care about pure wrestling anymore, didn't care about Uta. He was a sports entertainer through and through, right? And then he has the match with Brian and he beats him and the whole thing is, wow, like, this has actually proven my sports entertainment theory to be correct. And then they have this, and I get it, right? It's it's not a sharp pivot. They've had this match where they've kind of, Brian's beat the respect back into him. But then to come out this week and be big on the, you knew that I was wrestling my hero and I love him and blah, blah, blah. I was like, that feels a little bit hammy and on the nose. Like from where we were at just three weeks ago, that does feel a little bit too, like a little too sharp a turn because in, what you're trying to do is get to this part of the story. Jericho probably had faith in Garcia to do it because he's really good at 
turning that quickly. He went from the sports entertainer guy in the flashy jacket to talking about Stu Hart and Owen Hart and that like he became the Lionheart again mm-hmm. over the course of one promo while dressed as Chris Jericho, the sports entertainer. He's amazing at that. That's a re- clearly a really hard skill to master. And Garcia, ironically, for the subject matter and the semantic field, kind of felt like he was reciting lines. Maybe in maybe I should let it play out, and in not, and in nine plus a few days, that's going to be the point. And, and how gonna... many days? Oh, bollocks! I press the wrong button. <laughs> what have I done here? In how many days? Uh, in just over nine days. That's going to prove. Thank you. That's going to prove to be the point. And Garcia was saying, "You knew how much I loved him," and he was like. He's lying, and he was actually supposed to be, and he was lulling Brian into a false sense of security mm-hmm. and all that. But in the meantime, that felt a bit fake, and mm. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to receive it as a deceptive heel tactic or just a bit fake. Yeah, and at this point, they should just have a security guard surrounding the ring. If they were that interested in protecting talents ahead of matches, because yeah. there's just no rules. <laughs> what, what, what fights get broken up or what don't? Mm. Sorry, yeah, loose. I like rules, me. Disciplinary. Restrictions are good. Yeah. Restrictions are good. Uh, then we got Dax Harwood versus Jay Lethal. Uh, my notes at the beginning of this match just read, Chops! Because <laughs> they chop the crap out of each other, and Taz in particular bloody loved this on commentary. Uh, we go to a break with Dax in control, but Lethal obviously takes over during that, and we come back. Dax fights back, series of three German suplexes. Uh, lethal hits a lethal combination for a two-count. Uh, Dragon screw through the ropes and a tope from Lethal. Puts the figure four on. Dax reaches the ropes. Counters another figure four attempt. Uh, but Lethal counters that into a cradle for a near fall. Dax counters the Lethal injection into that brilliant slingshot powerbomb of his. That gets him a near fall. He blocks the Dragon screw, does Dax. Gets Lethal in a pin. Uh, but uh, Lethal kicks out. Puts him in the sharpshooter. Sanjay Dutt runs down. Dax lets go of him to get into it with him on the apron. Lethal rolls up Dax for a two count. Um, Dax fights back and gets himself some some two counts off pinning predicaments. And then after another cradle exchange, Lethal rolls up Dax, gets a handful of the tights for the one, two, three. Post-match, Sanjay Dutt gets on the microphone, celebrates with Lethal, and then said, well, we did say you were going to be in a trios match, you, guys, you two and uh, FTR and, and Wardlow, but we didn't say it was going to be against the three of us. It's going to be Lethal with two close personal friends, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, the Motor City Machine Guns, which I popped huge for Hamlet. Yeah, I'll do the match first, because I'd rather end on like the positive end of that news. So this was, re- like, this was really, really tightly worked, and it was quite stiff at points as well. But it was, I thought this was like dangerously low on drama and stakes. And I had like a bit of a realisation, which I should have already had by now, to be honest. But I had a realisation in this is, this is where a, a Triple H Monday Night Raw might actually stand to launch something of an assault on Dynamite because I had way more things to say and feel about Kevin Owens versus Chad Gable than I did this. And this was Dynamite's bread and butter for the longest time because week after week after week they had a free shot. Every now and then we would be surprised by a Raw tag match or Seth Rollins has got these in him kind of when he wants yeah. and Cody being back is going to be fun and all that. But for the most part, this is like safety net for dynamite is that you're always going to have this and this week i was like well i but this is out this is elsewhere and it's better and the stories are maybe more interesting or the characters are more interesting or whatever because this was of course objectively good but never really great and the low stakes badly hurt this and that's a aw problem because too many of the feuds or too many of the mid-card disputes feel low stakes and it's going to have a knock-on effect on matches like this it was proper give and take the motor city machine guns announcement Motor City Machine Guns FTR interactions is dream match stuff. Yes. Proper back to like AW has opened up the wrestling world 
in the best possible way for combinations like this. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The one thing you, AW, like, had sold on this tag, on this original trios match being fun was, well, can Wardlow powerbomb Satnam Singh? And I think it was the one thing we were all pretty excited about. So in giving us this cool pairing, you've taken away that, which seems to me to reveal that you've lost a bit of faith in Satnam Singh. So that's got, even that's got a bit of an ugly underside as well. And I think it was hard to come away from this, just being out and out satisfied with the outcome when there's all these other things flying around too. I just found it quite impossible to care about. You kind of knew what the result was going to be. Mm -hmm. You knew that the the Jay Lethal unit is just three jokers doing mid-card, cheap heat, heel stuff. You know that they are not going to win at the pay-per-view, but you knew going into it that to build theoretical, obligatory drama that Jay Lethal was going to win. And so it just didn't really interest me. The chops woke me up because they were so committed, but I just kind of honestly felt like ungrateful swine watching this. <laughs> Have they gone to the Dax Harwood well too often? Um, I realized in this match that he's a much better tag team wrestler than a singles wrestler. Mm-hmm. That's not a slight. He's one of the best tag team wrestlers of all time, and at his best, he's a phenomenal um, singles wrestler, but his matches are patterned and structured in such a way that I felt... It didn't expose him. This was still like... a excellently worked match that kind of you know what it was so excellent that the crowd was kind of dead for much of it and then they really worked them into it by the end they were actually on their feet so really you could arguably say this was an excellent excellent bit of business for the crowd because they won them over Mm -hmm. but i don't know it just felt like i've seen this match from howard before and I've, this particular match didn't have a really strong reason to exist and the lack of crowd heat early Put over the match in this weird, indirect, I'm impressed by that, but I'm not electrified yeah. by it sort of way. Um, Can't hire off of them because they're both bald. That's the thing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably scans a sacrilege. Maybe my total lack of interest in Jay Lethal skews this, and I'm being too hard on Harwood. Um, but they had something with Jay Lethal. They had a guy that a lot of people watching were like, one, I've always thought Jay Lethal was boring, or two, I don't like the whispers surrounding him whatsoever. But... The man is undeniably, shockingly over in arenas as a babyface. Now they've turned him heel, and it just, what's the point? Mm. Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on what This came. is very WWE, this. A objectively very good match I just kind of didn't care about. Mm. I, I feel like the guns will turn babyface after the match as well. Yes. You know, if they, what, even if they're how, not, how are they going to work heel? Well, they're, like, they're really good cocky heels. Um, but not at this point of their career, though, because they're too they're beloved. Too res- beloved yeah. and It'll just have to be like really fun situational stuff with FTR, yeah. and then we presume when they lose, they'll turn on Jay Lethal after the fact. Or Son- like Sanjay Duttle eat some shit off them or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I got so confused for a split second there. Woke up early, obviously, for this big show. I'm a bit tired, and I was like, what are Colton and Austin doing in this? And I was like, oh, the Moe <laughs> C machine guns. It's the guns and the ass boys. We have to do that now because yeah. we have to separate them. Uh, love to know your thoughts on what came next, Sige. Uh, Thunder Rosa is backstage. She is emotional. She is devastated. Uh, she reveals she's injured. She has to relinquish the AW Women's World title as a result. Uh, and an interim champion is going to be crowned at All Out. It's going to be Tony Storm versus uh, three other opponents. Um, Thunder Rosa promises to come back better and stronger than ever. Um, and during the match that followed, it was confirmed it was going to be Tony Storm versus Britt Baker versus Jamie Hayter versus Hikaru Shida. That leads me to believe that the four-way with 
rules are in place of Shida was going to happen. Lots of rumours about this. Lots and lots of rumours about this. Um, I don't. You can't trust wrestlers after the last three weeks. You can never trust them anyway. You can never trust promoters or wrestlers. Every now and then you get a reminder, and then you lose this sense of what you should be doing. Look, the crack is. All the other stories are true and maybe not a good look, but Thunder's definitely uh, injured. Nothing to see here. It's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like I just don't know. It just seems that there are two dots just absolutely begging to be connected here. Just absolutely begging to be connected. Um, so I don't know. I'm obviously cynical. I'm not going to say one way or the other. Oh, no, she's def- definitely being carnies and working a storyline injury or whatever. I'm not going to do that. Um, but I'm probably right to be cynical given the events of the last however many weeks. I hate, I've tweeted this, the fans will forgive me, I hate that they've established the precedent of an interim title. I thought they've done a fantastic job of it with one interim title. But Thunder Rosa should just either be stripped of it outright or if she is in fact ready to work or can probably get a match out of it, just drop it. She's her conduct as champion has been piss poor. She's made Marina Shafir intentionally look terrible to the fact that they had to apologize to one another. And it's one of those where like, you kind of have to check yourself at times as a wrestling fan because I'm quite ghoulish by nature. So when I see Thunder Rosa diving off the top rope and shoot drop kicking someone in the back of the head, the worst part of me goes, oh, that looked awesome. <laughs> Obviously, you know that Hater continued the match and seemed fine, so that helped enormously. It's like, oh, she got away with one, but I'm kind of glad I saw it because it looked cool. It isn't cool at all. Like, it absolutely isn't cool. She's gone in there, seemingly, seemingly, I can't confirm anything, wanting to just clean a clock a little bit. Or she's reckless, didn't mean to do it. In, in any event, she should not be a champion of this division, which, as re- uh, reports have emerged, is in disarray in terms of morale, in terms of who likes who, and all the rest of it. Precisely like, as you would expect from what we've seen as well. That's been manifesting on television. We've seen it so often. Right. They've been playing with fire and all all of that. Um, so one of two things is true. Thunder Rosa is either not very good at her job, therefore she shouldn't be a champion, or she's deliberately underperforming and entering unflattering and reckless performances to make herself look good or to sort of give a receipt. It's one thing, like, uh, Britt Baker is so much more handy on the mic than her. Britt Baker's a great promo. She can cut it down to size and make a tit of Thunder Rosa on TV, and she's done that several times, right? So Thunder Rosa doesn't have that kind of ammunition in that kind of department to go back. So I just kick someone in the head. Pathetic, pathetic. They all need sat down. Like, Britt Baker is... Woodpeckering her psyche and Thunder Rosa is responding. It would seem, it would seem mm-hmm. in the least professional way possible. Um, what they should have done three months ago, she's got the title on Chris Stylander. <laughs> That's yeah. what they should have done. Told you to do it. Um, but yeah, Thunder Rosa has been a terrible champion in literally every definition. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard as it is to analyze just the content put in front of you. Like, well, like, sorry, one more thing. What would Bret Hart think? What would Bret Hart think? And oh, he's a boring old footy dude. He's not. He's the best. But he, like, he put honor on this sort of thing. He really did. It's Gary Lineker's no yellow cards, isn't it? Yeah. You, you go that whole run and never injure somebody. 
that's the, there is no higher kind of a, like reward mm. you can pay a wrestler like a, an honor I guess that a wrestler can have than not doing that and to never never ever made anyone look terrible on purpose either. Only person he hit for real was Vince McMahon. Yeah, spotted <laughs> Montreal. Um, yeah, it it is difficult to because the news was breaking either just before. Like I went to bed when little Driven Drabs were dropping out about this talent meeting and the, all the unrest and stuff. And then I bet you were glad like, you didn't stay up for that title match. Eee, but yeah, and uh, and then in the morning I'm watching Dynamite, and then while you, while I'm still kind of like gathering my thoughts on the title match. Then I'm reading like the news that followed Dynamite and all this kind of thing. So it's kind of hard now to just look at this promo and just treat it for what it was. If we were doing that, it's the second announcement of an interim title in the row that felt botched. Like this wasn't given any kind of plot. It's like backstage with Tony Schiavone for five seconds and him left to go down the road. Like it was just, that was pretty, pretty uncomfortable. It's like, have you really, have you actually made your point? Have you got across the details? Yet again, like the confusing messaging of giving up a title versus an interim one. Like I'm not thick. I know what the crack is, but... The punk one was less than ideal, and this has kind of carried that on. And another deeper layer to just the total antipathy towards the uh, the apathy towards the uh, women's division. CM Punk got a full segment in the yeah. ring on Dynamite. Like, even if it was botched, the idea was like get the gravity of the moment over on Rampage. Sorry, get they the gravity on Twitter hours before. Yeah, they, they, they do Twitter. that with this or not? Bill is an announcement. Bad news, guys. Like he's, he's the champion. He deserves a lot of your time to unfortunately deliver this message. Here's the Thunder Rosa. Hurry up! Hurry up! Yeah, shut up, Thunder Rosa. <laughs> I just and I, I it's such a sexist company. Yes, <laughs> and I've I've oscillated so much between when they first remember they first announced that interim title with the, the TNT. Oh, the TNT with Sammy and first Cody, time they yeah. did it, and I was like, "This is great! I love this because they have this in other sports in UFC that I really like, and I think it's a really." I seem to know, recall you having quite a strong opinion on the belts. Then I had quite a big opinion <laughs> on Sammy Guevara walking around with two belts, and then, like you say, Moxley sort of rehabilitated that whole thing and. The CM Punk thing was like, I'm going, but I'm not going for that long. So maybe it's just if there's a time limit. If there's like a time limit, because obviously be like 30 days, didn't it? The classic. Yeah, that's just a made-up rule. Like yeah. They didn't adhere to half the time. No. Oh, less than this year. <laughs> um, yeah, if it's like a proper torn ACL or a broken neck, and it's like six to twelve, right? Strip entirely. If it's you know a work, uh, no, no, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. So someone's said it's legit, haven't they? Was it Sean, Sean Ross Sapp or Mike Johnson or somebody? Sean that, Ross yeah. Sapp, and the man is incredibly reputable. Mm. So I'm only, I'm not casting aspersions on his reporting, mm. just my ingrained suspicion of professional wrestling as an industry. <laughs> uh, and then we got the father versus son match. Joke. Billy Gunn uh, with the acclaimed versus Colton Gunn, uh, the acclaimed reference. Student loan debt and backstage talent meetings. Uh, I, said, I said backstage talent meetings. I did like the fact that Matt Reigns even posted there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> about some of the references he dropped in there. Um, early on, Billy, I mean, just look at him compared to his son. Dominates, obviously. Sells, sends Colton to the outside. That takes us to a break. When we come back, uh, Billy is, is dominating still. Strikes, stomps, but the referee you know, has to push him off. Kicking the crap out of his own son. And that distraction of the referee uh, allows Stokely Hathaway, who we've already seen, uh, to, to clock, uh, clock, him with the, clock one of the acclaimed um, with, a, with the boombox on the floor. Um, Colton gets in a... And the, yeah, Max Caster gets taken out of all this as, as well, obviously. And uh, Colton, in the midst of all this, low blows his own dad, 
Colt 45, 1, 2, 3. Um, post-match, in comes Stokely Hathaway with the business cards. Uh, the guns accept, and they beat them down until the tag team champions swerve in our glory, make the save. Oh, my God. Like, it's... Pro- not the other one, sorry, not... <laughs> oh my god no no it's a disdainful one right? uh, the, the better is Jesus Christ <laughs> like Jesus I, I didn't give a toss about the match the match was just there and the dissonance right between the story they're trying to tell the tone of the wider feud it's just so stupid like we're going to talk about Bret Hart do you want to talk about Brett always? <laughs> <laughs> Brett Hart versus Owen, right? Don't do family battles after that. Like Jeff and Matt Hardy never felt like two brothers falling out, right? There's meant to be so much texture, tension, like layers. If you're going to dare do something is like dramatically high stakes and untenable is a, a strange sibling relationship in a wrestling match. You can't do it if you're not doing it like Bretton Owen because it just makes no sense. You can't. There has to be some kind of uh, resistance to it. There has to be some kind of really deep texture to the storyline. There has to be some hesitation. Not why am I so violent, but I don't really want to chin my brother. He's not kind of harder than him. Like you have to do all of these things to absolutely do justice to like this really even the first chapter biblical of Undertaker and Kane was okay because Taker was like I'm not going to fight. Like even yeah, that yeah. had like. It, yeah, that's yeah, us yeah. talking about Undertaker and Kane. Last people you ever want to put over, but they even got that first bit right, didn't they? I know. Like, What's going on, AEW? Putting over Undertaker and Kane. <laughs> and Road Dog had a better gimmick match than these <laughs> clowns did about... So not only is it like this, and it's ridiculous that Billy Gunn is fighting his son, and I don't believe it for a single second, and the action is drab, and then let's get loads of bodies doing something pay-per-view match. Like, what? Why are they acclaimed and swerving our glory? You've got this incredibly respectful relationship and to the point where we need to sort this out. Do you? Do you? <laughs> it's, an, it's an absolute load of rubbish, this. A total load of rubbish. And uh, you know what's funny, right? I'm going to see non-biased Sidgwick, right? Bury Brian Danielson earlier in the show. I'm going to bury the Young Bucks, my favorite tag team of all time. They're like, going to bring back tag team wrestling. 2019, double or nothing press rally to set up the match with the Lucha Brothers. We are going to make it a massive concern all over again. We're going to bring back tag team wrestling. Well, hang on, Steve. If I can just stop you there, Sidgwick, because three years later, they've done it. We are set up for the main event of All Out 2022, are we not? Yes, we are. <laughs> Gone off tag team wrestling, have you? <laughs> Do they just... Because they don't really care about tag team wrestling. They care about the trios division that they're in, which is a um, far more significant concern on AEW television than the tag team championships. So there's a bit of carny stuff there. I mean, I, they obviously care about tag team wrestling. They do. But Tony Gaunt doesn't at the minute. <laughs> doesn't care about his belts, does he? Uh, yeah. Um, did Billy Gunn, like, has he, has he got, like, a green DX phone, like the bat phone, and he's actually, like, got Triple H in it? Paul, can I have uh, five more minutes on top of my match, please? Like, what was it? Was it have you got a runtime there? I think about six minutes, maybe. What? Like, Billy Gunn versus his son for six minutes. Stupid. Like, dy- like dynamite airtime is so valuable. As we've seen, week after week after week, the things that don't get enough, the things that need more than they get. Seven minutes on this, absolute trash. Like, 
I have a feeling you're probably going to want to go into a bit more detail about the backstage promo that set up the, the tag match. I, I don't know. Like, was there, was there anyone in there that had something to say, perhaps? You know what? But, I was in a bad mood, but I thought this one would just... <laughs> so I may have some notes. I may have reworded the promo but I, somewhat. But I, before you do, I'm completely with Sidgwick because this that whole thing, that was like them making the save followed by that thing was the second most WWE thing on this <laughs> show. And like, and I'm not counting the repeated mentions of sports entertainment in the opening segment. If I'm being a little bit generous, right, there's a thread in this pretty disappointing AEW Tag Team Division of 2022. Rankings have always been expressed by exclusively babyface tag team championships, give or take that week that the books had it. They've always said, no, you're ranked, so we will appreciate the competition and we will welcome it as defending champions. Then FTR have been ranked number one for like five years. Yeah. So I can't it's a meme, isn't it? It's a meme. Yeah, so I can't even praise that, which I do think is a th- thread they've established at the very start of the year. This you're ranked. Yeah. Come on, come on, and come on and take a bit of me. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Uh, right, we go backstage for a good old British Barney, uh, United <laughs> Empire and De- Death, Tri- Death Triangle backstage. Uh, two men, neither of them from Yorkshire. <laughs> it's, uh, we live in this country. We're not American podcasters. We, know we live in the city one of them is from. <laughs> Newcastle upon time. Uh, Will Ospreay says that uh, United Empire have got one mission. Bip, bip, bip. All gone for the United <laughs> Empire. <laughs> and uh, Pac says, eh, we've been waiting long for this, this op- too long for this opportunity. We've made a decision tonight. We're not going to kill you. We're going to murder you. Uh, AW is death triangle territory. Pretty good. Yeah. Yes. 
What else could he say? That was it. That was, that was all I was hoping the for. Pack rules. And Osprey was a smug tosser. <laughs> exactly. But then he always is. So. Yeah. So you get spe- I don't get specific praise for like drinking a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking brew. <laughs> uh, then we got Britt Baker versus Kylan King. Uh, Britt dominated, obviously, for the majority of this match. Sling blade right away. Uh, dominates on the outside. King fires back German, and a face buster gets her a two count. Uh, but Britt hits her with a super kick and the, the curb stomp. Puts on the glove. Locked jaw. Gets the submission victory. Um, post-match, Britt Baker gets on the mic and says, Oh, Rosa, you re- re- vacated the title. Meanwhile, when I was champion, I wrestled the entire time with a broken freaking wrist, the basically. Heels, the heel said this. <laughs> the heel. <laughs> the heel. Um, Tani's, to, to, Tani? Tony Storm comes out, but she gets attacked from behind by Jamie Hayter. Rebel's got the terrible towel, and Hikaru Shida runs out to make the save and gets a gets a, a happy. <laughs> <laughs> this was um, like it wasn't a great match or anything, but it was a very good one in terms of another good week for Kylan King. I thought like good mm. snap, like she's had a good run thus far. Like I hadn't seen it, but I'm, I kind of want to go back and watch it now. The um, dark clip they played where this had already kicked off between the two of them, which I wasn't aware of. Like it's made me want to go and see how Kylan King got on there because maybe that's three great AEW matches. Sad kind of probably worked itself into a job. The terrible towel. I didn't realize until I'd read it online afterwards that there's a feud between Cleveland and. Pittsburgh or whatever it is but like so that was to have that massive one that she draped herself in was all for the heat so I like that um the the chops from first match the clobbering Jamie Hayter taking out Tony Storm I just want to watch all day forever and ever and I ever. know oh my god Jamie like, Hayter's great isn't like, she and it, like everyone wants a belt on her yeah like Tony Storm was selling and like obviously she's like she's pretty good at selling as well she's a really sympathetic babyface but I was like I really hope your head and neck is alright yeah. because you got absolutely cleaned out they're the, like eight Hikaru Shida didn't get it. AEW got what they deserved with that reaction for Hikaru Shida. Mm. Like this again, uh, the second in a row of like the WWE things, it's like, wait a minute, all those four in the match. Like, how's this happened? <laughs> like, <laughs> like pointing all the people all together, like Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm aren't mates. Like, this is a thing. When was that, that time Shida was on telly? Yeah, like, it's it, that is. Was what? it against Deep? Must have been. Must yeah, have been maybe. That, yeah. On the cage match. Like, that is what it is. Um, but, yeah, like, to find some faint praise amongst all this criticism, like, Kylan King's had a, a good run. Probably worked itself into a job, you would think. Yeah. It's, it's one of those where she's had a good run, she's worked really hard to improve. And it's nothing personal on Kylan King, but I've advocated for the longest time of stop booking the women's division like the men's division, apart from the time, obviously. <laughs> because... The women who, like Kylan King, will not get featured now for what, at least a month, at least. Yeah, you just get into her. And and all of her work will be undone. It's happened so often. Anna Jay, Conti. Four months ago was last when she was on telly. And she lost. I mean, that's that's really poor. She's been winning on Dark and Dark Elevation. But that's poor. Bad stuff, that, innit? We put you over. Uh, This match, what have we not discussed? From the moment Britt Baker's music hit. Oh, God, yeah, we've got to... What am I doing? It's time to play the game! And what game is that, Michael Sidgwick? The game is, well, this is ladies near. I'm thinking over Shout out once again to the brilliant uh, Adam Blair, who, uh, yeah, shock title wins. I, I, I just... It's got pure... It was like... I won, but because of like 
a half an hour gap before, <laughs> and he's maybe like 50 minutes into the show. And I said one hour, ten minutes. You went a minute right? less than me, or something. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you to to Adam Blair who uh, who confirmed this for us. Um, yeah, they're mixing it up. They're putting the women's matches in the first hour now, <laughs> to the benefit of the men. Yeah, to tell their story for the benefit of like the most shocking TV match they'll book this year. Yeah. The women got a first hour match. But yeah, uh, I can't find this flipping. Uh, Stats now from Adam Blair. Apologies. It's one of those things, you know, my take of, I will accept that WWE is good when it is good for a calendar year. Yeah. Only then, after <laughs> being burned for a century, <laughs> will I begin to think, you know what, they've got something here, and mm. it's fine, I can just watch it without being a dick, without ruining everyone's good time, and without thinking that it's haunted. When AEW's women's division is good for a year... <laughs> I will start to believe in it again because it's, I'm watching this so numb. It's wild that one feels further off than the other, isn't it? It's wild that, yeah. like, you think, could, could they get to WrestleMania and all this just be pretty good? Well, it's unlikely. Could the women's division be good for a year? Absolutely no. Absolutely, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Never. Uh, Yes, thank you. I found it now. Uh, thank you to, once again to Adam Blair. At Adam Wilton 4 on Twitter if you want to follow him. And Adam Wilton. <laughs> uh, 50 minutes, 47 seconds. So, yeah. Default. Yeah. A, a, 19, a, a 19 plus minute win just because of, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, currently uh, Adam King and the Mike Wilborn, six and three. Michael, the encyclopedia, Hamlet, one and six. Ah, uh, it was a good run. Michael F. the Fed, Sidgwick, three and five. And Andy H- Eel Murray, zero oh and two. <laughs> More of that next week. Uh, so we go backstage and there are the tag team champions, Swerve in Our Glory and the Acclaimed. And Swerve says, oh, we didn't just save the acclaimed because we love you. Basically, we want you to have a title shot all out. Uh, and Keith Lee steps forward and says, let us be truthful here, gentlemen. He didn't, all right, full disclosure, <laughs> he didn't exactly say what I'm about to say, but artistic life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us be truthful here, gentlemen. You fine boys are ranked. Furthermore, you have been ranked for eons. We didn't come to your aid simply because we adore you and your unique musk. We believe you find specimens would be worthy opponents for the tag team championships at All Out. And basically, they claimed accept. Yeah. I, you know what? Because we've been, like, pretty critical this first hour. I did like that they claimed, like, obviously, they're going to accept the title shot. But it wasn't with that, oh, thanks. Like, they weren't, <laughs> yeah. they weren't prepared to be patronized. Like, they know who they are. And I like, we say this about WWE for the longest time, baby faces having no backbone, no com- conviction or anything like that. Like, they claimed believe they're in this match because they should be there, not because they were gifted one generously by the champions. So that, that was something from this, at least. And now comes the world title match. I'm going to put my feet up here whilst you two talk about this. Uh, yeah, it was not the main event. It arrived here, and you're looking at your watch going, huh? Oh. So they've got this, and they've got, obviously, the... the tri- tri- by the way, quick... Oh, no, I'll talk about the trios thing in a minute because that's wound, wound me up on the show as well. We'll talk about that in a little while. But you're looking, you're going... Okay, so we could get like two lengthy things here. I'd forgotten about the fact we still needed to hear from from Ricky Starks, etc. But but AW plays with that as well. Yeah, so I think it's okay to think. Well, what if something gets you know bumped or whatever? Because yeah, know, if you want to hear what Ricky Starks got to say, you got to listen to yeah. watch Rampage this week, which might actually get people to watch it. Um, so it was CM Punk, John Moxley. You know, uh, I was going to say title unification, not really. Who's going to be the undisputed AEW world champion? And the hype, the excitement around this is is huge. We talked about this yesterday about 
this arguably the biggest match in AEW's history. And it went, what, two minutes, basically? Collar and elbow tie up. Mox overpowers Punk, pushes him into the corner. Punk fires back up, hits a high kick. And I did like this touch because I didn't notice it initially. And then people have pointed out on social media. Punk kicks with his right, but sells his left, which is the injured foot. Yes, he planted it. Because that's exactly. And, and people have seemed to, people saw that and went, huh, he sold the wrong foot. How long do you think he's been doing this for? Which foot is it? Like, come on. I, I get it sometimes that they make tiny mistakes, these uh, legends of, legends of. This business. Uh, but you don't forget which foot you broke your fucking bones in. Yeah, the, imagine the rest of psychology. If you're not going to throw a kick with my injured limb, that's going to, that work. It's the, yeah, it takes all, he's pivoting, he's, but all the weight is on it. I get what, but anyway, he's injured his foot. Referee checks on him. He can barely get to his feet now. He's he's writhing around in agony. Moxley jumps all over this. Hammer and anvil elbows. Death Rider. Second Death Rider. One, two, three. Moxley is the undisputed AW World Champion. Um, doctors and officials check on Punk. They carry him out of the arena as Moxley strides off into the sunset with, well, the the, the belt, both belts. I'll, I'm not getting into that now. This did not go the way I anticipated, Michael Sidgwick. Sorry, one more thing before I give you my thoughts. Did he also turn him inside out with the King Kong Lariat as well, or have I imagined that? Uh, possibly. Yeah, he hit him with the Lariat yes. first, I think, didn't he? To put, to put, did Punk get back up and he put him back down with the Lariat, then did the Hammers and Anvil? Was that the I yes, think that so. might have been it. Because I just it was a hell of a bump from Punk. Mm. This was incredible. I absolutely loved it. My love for this angle, which is what it was, is as conditional as it is, like... Ardent. I absolutely adored this. But it's conditional on what happens next. And because it's punk, I've said, it's Tony Khan, it's CM Punk, and it's John Moxley. I will absolutely, if I'm going to let anything play out, not involving the elite, I will let this goddamn thing play out because they're just not stupid. What I think they're going for here, right? And again, conditional. I'll probably bury this in retrospect if they don't get it right or they take a different direction. That's not as good as the thing in my head. (laughs) What I think they're doing is. CM Punk is going to show the two extreme sides of CM Punk, and it kind of all links back to, um, because it's a rich continuing story, CM Punk has finally been given the chance to go, don't just go from program to program, but like you've got the opportunity here, there's so many doing AEW, to tell not just a few stories here and there that are good, a few trilogies here and there that are good, an arc, this all ties into the CM Punk arc, on the Go Home Show to Revolution, famously said, to MGF, I'm trying to be a good guy, right? I think the story is going to go converse or inverse to what people expect of it. People are thinking the CM Punk heel turn. I think this is designed to babyface him in the end, like all the more, which is a really good deft strategy here because Moxie kind of has to look like a babyface and a killer at the same time as well to emerge from all out with a degree of credit to go on to the next thing that he does. CM Punk cut a heel promo so fantastic last week that not only did I, as I mentioned on last week's review, get such a visceral reaction that I can't remember experiencing as an adult to a fictional heel character, right? He got kind of booed out of big parts of this building. Mm-hmm. And I know it's Mox Country and all the rest of it, but I really think it would have been mixed anywhere except mm-hmm. Chicago because a lot of people thought he's such a cock in that promo. <laughs> and he, a lot of people thought he's been a cock backstage if certain reports are to be believed, right? So he talks all of the stuff about Moxie, right? 
in my only complaint of last week's promo, which I thought was incredible, is that you can justify doing this kind of promo if you deliver it immaculately. And he did, of didn't say one nice thing about John Moxley. Like the, the most mild of praise, right? So what happens this week? He gets absolutely shown up, humiliated by someone he absolutely should have had significantly more respect for. Third best person in the group. Like, Punk wasn't even the second best person in this ring. The referee was better than him on this night <laughs> because he got absolutely slaughtered, annihilated. And for me, personally, it was so incredibly cathartic because the performer's fictional performance last week was so great. He deserved this. He ate shit. In the, the shit that he slung in the story, he ate Got wiped all over his face. John Moxley looked like a killer. Even like the glimpse of what I still expect to be the all-out match was still thrilling. Turned himself inside out for that King Kong lariat. Even when he was getting forearmed in the corner, you could kind of see Punk was getting pissed off. He wasn't just getting, ah, oh, it hurts a bit. He was like, fuck this, fuck this. These two men put on a fictional performance of just ultra-competitive, I feel like I'm the champion, and one person felt like the absolute biggest champion in all of pro wrestling. That was John Moxley killed Punk. It was so cathartic. Punk's selling was exquisite. Subtle, as we said. He didn't do the... Like, wrestling's pretty silly. Fundamentally, we know this. He didn't do the, oh, I've kicked someone. Oh, it hurts my foot. Maybe I shouldn't have come back. He added a different layer to it, a different twist. It was so much more um, intelligent than your average wrestling selling. Which, when done well, it's fantastic. It's why we all love it. But it just he thinks levels above. What I think is going to happen is that CM Punk... It's going to show you the two sides of his personality. He's a complete dick. How hard are you really trying to be a good guy? He's going to, at All Out, main event, Chicago, and uh, in Chicago, his hometown, the babyface performance of his career, it's like a week or so after people thought you're untenable as a babyface because he's just such a twat. And it's all in service of, I'm trying to be a better guy. And if it takes fighting on one leg <laughs> to atone for what I said to the other great guy, you should cheer very much after this program, after I beat him, then so be it. I've criticized AEW because that face versus face stuff with Hangman Page and CM Punk, I don't think did anything for Page realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, Punk, like the atmosphere of Double or Nothing was so strange. It was like people said, oh, Punk's got people in the palm of his hands here. It's like, have you? Because not really reacting to the story. They're just kind of just chanting who they like at a given time. This is an incredible face versus face program, dot, 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 if it goes the way I think it does in my mm. head, because John Moxley's established himself as a killer. He looked so hard, so unbelievably hard last night, and Punk will look like a completely different strain of babyface if he wins over the Chicago crowd and gets people like me, who kind of thinks he's a knob at this point, <laughs> like in the palm of his hand in Chicago fighting through that foot injury. And it's all in service of, I am trying to be a better guy because that's his arc. And uh, a word on that. You say, you know, you're withholding judgment till what happens at All Out. I'm letting it play out. Indeed. We will be talking about that later on today. We're doing a video podcast. What needs to happen at All Out 2022? And we'll delve into, into more details on that a little bit later on. I will say I wish this started the show mm. because it was contrived to put it in the semi-final slot. Well, yeah, it was... Because uh, if you put at the start of the show, you're thinking, the two greats are so evenly matched, right? They might go 60 minutes, so yes, we've got the time from Warner Media, but if anything, we don't want to risk that. We want everyone to see the full match 
um, as scheduled because you might not be awake by 10 o'clock or whatever. So wish they'd put it first. Mm. Like, I really wish they'd put it first because the contrivance of putting it on top of the hour was just a bit much. I, I wish I, they put it last for the same reason. I think they, if they put it last, what would like, they have done? Well, this I think this aimed to feel like a transgression. And the show, like, it doesn't end abruptly. Rampage established the idea of a standing match. So you either go to a standing match and Dynamite is left shocked to the core that, like, oh, we've got 10 minutes of airtime left. John Moxley celebrates. Punk gets carried out. John Moxley does his best in the world, my ass, while stood over Punk getting carried out or just stood in the ring celebrating. And then the commentators, like, just deal with the moment. And, like, I, like this, I guess, feeds into some of my criticisms of it. But I, I think I saw straight away this morning the comparisons to Cody and Brody. And I couldn't be further away for me in terms of my taste, which, I, you know, I'll get to. Take's going to fly all over the shop. But I wouldn't. This would have been the last place I would have put this for what they were aiming for here. The last place on I'm the I'm inclined to agree with you because, like, like I, we referenced at the beginning of this, I just, I don't know what happened to me, but I, the rest of this show was just, it just happened in front of me. But it, it was a very divisive title match, as you're about to explain. Well, it's funny that, like, Sid started this with, you know, this is conditional, because my criticisms are equally as conditional, because Sid was always right. Like, <laughs> yeah. check the history books or read his. Yeah. Like, because... What's it, what was it called? It's, it's called my book. Mm. About AEW's formation and its early history, 120,000 passionate and insightful words, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, and it's available to purchase on Amazon right now. Like, I am sure people are, because, you know, we've both flew onto Twitter, as we do when the wrestling triggers all these emotions, you've got to put them somewhere before we get to come into work and put them somewhere yeah. else, in about three different places. <laughs> very blessed and very fortunate on days like this. But, um... Like, people might be looking for a 2019 slap fight because they got half a one on, like, another podcast later this week. It's not going to happen. Um, this match is open to a ton of interpretation and analytical pros and cons, of which Sidge covered some of there about the possibilities of what could happen at All Out. I, too, am a huge fan of CM Punk's elite-adjacent one-big-story, like, run in AEW. I'm a massive fan of it. Um, I didn't like this. I was devastated by what felt like an under-delivery to the hype that wasn't driven by me. It was driven by AEW. Right? CM Punk selling was absolutely fantastic, and he did it last week as well. He was very low-key limping last week, and it was all I could look at at points, and he did it this week too. When he got in the ring, if you watch this back, while they're kind of like pacing, so good. pacing back and forth, his selling of that foot, so subtle, so brilliant. Uh, he stood there as the champion. The long boys were a tell. Like, I felt... Something in my stomach was going when the when he came yes. to the long boys. It was like the fix is in here. Like this is either Punk showing disrespect to Moxley by wearing the long boys, or, s or something's not right he here. Yeah, he wants to be. He doesn't want to be synonymous with the vest version of Punk, which is the fight shorts or the trunks. Like he himself has made a meme of the long boys. Yeah. So some, something felt it's yeah, it's to that. disassociate the audience from like the real CM Punk wouldn't get beat like that. Yeah. But long boys punk can. <laughs> and wrestlers are so crafty with their gear like this. Yeah. And, and like, and it's there to reward, I guess as well, like reward your investment. But again, like to go back to the sort of, like I felt this was a little bit cruel from AEW quite honestly. Again, like, or everything, if this is like this really great angle and it forms this like emotional, evocative scene in Chicago where Punk finds himself again. And again, this feeds into him as a babyface world champion, him as a babyface, like, I'll fight till the wheels fall off. They fell off. 
but they fell off here, and that's like that pays off what Sam Punk said he would do. I will fight to the world's fall off, and they fell off. And Moxley took advantage of that, and he, you know, best in the world, my air. We'll get that promo was incredible. But I was really devastated by this, and I went back and looked on the timeline at the people that were live tweeting, which would have been me if I'd have got the bowl of cereal out, and people saying, oh, top of the hour. Like, the, the reason AEW put it there is because they wanted everybody to think this seven days of hype out of nowhere main event is going to be given main event profile, and it wasn't. So I, a little bit, this wasn't the, the, I forget all the three things, but we said, well, they definitely won't do this, they definitely won't do this, definitely. This absolutely wasn't a DQ, this wasn't a count out, this wasn't, I've been screwed by the company. By the letter of the law, they delivered what they promoted, but, like, it's extremely conditional how forgiving I'll be over this, because I think this was as absolutely as close as you can get to kind of screwing your audience. It was on free television, so they haven't paid for it. Like, if this was, like, if they'd have attempted this story on a pay-per-view... It would have scanned as an even bigger transgression, but you risk people feeling really ripped mm. off. So it's so much about what comes next. And I've cooled on this, by the way, from when I watched it. I wasn't thinking, oh, where might this go? Where might this come next? I, like, I was I was really devastated. Well, I, I was watching Punk getting his face kicked and, in. And maybe that Great. was there to help as well. Like, I just felt so flat. We both, me and yeah. you, so it's that Roy Hodgson meme. I was like, huh? Oh. Like, the face just sinks. Like, I couldn't take in any of the second hour. And I was fired up after watching him get bad. And this is the thing, right? Because yes, I'm so into his heel performance, and I'm so ready for the heel, uh, the babyface redemption. So I tweeted this about, like, how something like this, you're meant to be, like, this fizzing ball of energy. Like, I mention it all the time. It's because I love it so dearly. Cody and Brody, I couldn't concentrate on anything for days. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is in a pandemic in an empty building, and wrestling still does this to me. Like, the best kind of wrestling does this to me. I, was, I, I didn't even like pro wrestling for this last hour. Like, I've underserved this main event that I will go back and watch again tonight because I need to give it a second look. Um, Christian Cage's promo instantly felt like that time that Trish and Lita had to follow The Rock and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 18. I was like, <laughs> don't care about you. Never will. Like, I, I just, I didn't like the industry for a bit because I was so put off by what I felt. I, was, I, feel like, I still feel like I was sold a bit of a lie. Mm. AEW was absolutely the let it play out. Um, Cedric was in the building when... Only Daniel Bryan could generate a reaction after The Undertaker's streak was broken. So if I'm making that lofty comparison, is that me paying credit to it? Is that me, you know, paying respect to this? It's like, wow, they've really created a moment here. I don't know. I think this is more of a tightrope one. Like, I think the ramifications will determine how successful it is. This absolutely was impactful. It was all I could think about. I was like, here was me on Twitter being like, and that's the last I'll say about it five seconds later. And another thing, <laughs> gonna, so like, I'm gotten to. Like, it's abs- yeah. it's it's done stuff to me, but I, I, I don't know. I was really, really bad taste in my mouth put off yeah. in the immediate aftermath, and it didn't go away straight away. They couldn't say, they couldn't undersell it. No. no. They couldn't undersell it, otherwise you'd be, all right, well, it's not kind of happening really if they undersell it. So they had to do this. Yeah, it required the hype for it, it to required scan the as, hype. A, as a shot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And ultimately, I didn't want the match to happen because I thought it was so money on pay-per-view. And for me, if in fact the story... Yeah, you know, it's a dog collar match. So. <laughs> if the story is going the way that I think it's going to go, then absolutely 1 million percent worth it. But as I said, conditional on that. Um, but as a squash, it was absolutely incredible. Like, as an actual art to a squash match, it was unbelievable. Sorry, one more. I, I, I do apologise. Like, I don't, you've got thoughts too. There was a certain um, G1 quality to this in terms of bigger picture storytelling that every now and then you have to throw in a shock to remind viewers it can mm. happen. Um, again, I don't think this was as effective as other times AEW have done it. However, 
but, 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 if in three years' time we're, say, like we're previewing a title match and it was like, well, look what happened that time with Punk and Moxley and what happens when... And, and one last thing, and I will, I promise you, one last thing, I find it interesting. I don't know if I'm supposed to find it more interesting. I don't know if this is in WWE, what would be critical of the same story being told twice or if it's supposed to be symmetrical with Kenny Omega also returning too soon from injury but taking more care of himself than CM Punk chose to. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bit slapdash. Jury's out on that too. All wrestlers should return in this way. Yeah. Like in New Japan, like they play to that. It's like you don't just come back fit as a fiddle. Mm. Moxley didn't when he came back off being in rehab. So conflicted about all this. <laughs> you know, look, I, look I, at what Moxley was doing to Ethan Page compared to what he did to CM Punk. Like, honestly, it's sports-oriented sports storytelling. I'll take consistency over a little bit of sameness all day. To tell the right story. Kenny overselling that he's actually way more fine than Punk is kind of a nice, I got him, Page. Like, that's like, that's sort of, there's this idea that this chasm has opened up between CM Punk and the elite. So Kenny doing that now and looking better or like, you know, when Kenny had a foot injury in the G1, like if he shakes off a little bit of a foot niggle next week, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like we can all go, huh? Huh? Mm. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Covered in that bloody tape, wasn't he? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to say, because I, I tend to, I just prefer, obviously, letting let you two talk about it as you're far more knowledgeable about this. And I try and be, when I'm not doing a gimmick or a silly voice, just the middleman between it all. And all I really do, and half the time, I'm so swayed by the points that you made, and I have been just now, that I just sort of go right in the middle of the road. And But I, I want to put my perspective on this across, because I, I said I was so conflicted. I even asked you, in the notes for this podcast, can I write a world title match controversy? Do I write that? Do I? How do I describe this? Controversy anyway. is mm-hmm. um, something that gives rise to a split in public opinion. Yeah. Yep. So... And I'm also very much aware that I could come across as a huge hypocrite here because when I watch UFC, right, and I see people going, ha, you bloody idiots, you paid $50 for that, and then Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. And I was like, it's literally the greatest moment, in, in, in my opinion, in UFC history, right? So I'm not going to sit here and go, well, because the match didn't go 20 minutes before he injured the foot, and because that doesn't really matter to me. I also am aware that I, I don't really want to come and fully bury this and go, this is rubbish. What are you doing? You've, you've promised this huge match and you've given us nothing. Because I was the first person to step up and defend uh, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch at SummerSlam yeah. <laughs> yeah. many, many moons ago and say, let this play out. Now, that's WWE. It's very different. And I completely take on board the, the point you made, Sige, about this is Mox, Punk and Tony Khan. It's very different to Vince. And in his eyes, some women, probably. If I remember, I'll get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, all I can tell you right now, because I have been convinced somewhat by the point that you've made there, Sige, and I, I, I'm not going to say, no, this is rubbish, it'll always be rubbish, and I'm never changing my mind on this, because, like you say, the track record of AEW has been, to a certain, to a, to a, to such an extent, and I got angry last week when when people were going, Kenny Omega's rubbish now, and I was like... How can you not see this bloody story, you idiots, sort of things. But all I can give you is my subjective feeling on this. And this happened, and I thought, well, well, at least that podcast we did about uh, WWE destroying AEW's growth, not age like milk, because I don't think they're going to get anywhere near Monday Night Raw as a result of this, because I think, personally, if you were someone who was like, "Ah, I'm not really sure about AEW, I'll tell you what, I'll tune into to Punk Marks, and then that happens... 
I don't know whether will it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether or not people go. I have to now see what happens next with this. I have to buy the pay per view, or whether people go. Oh, well, I'm not watching that anymore. I think that's a really and it's going to go under discussed that, but I think that's a really good point. How how that will be received when you know you have something that we agree that casual fans are a myth, but you have something that will pull in eyes. Yeah. I think like that, watching how that plays out over the next few weeks, I think is going to be really interesting. Casual fan is a myth, but we know for a goddamn fact that AEW have done better numbers last year than this. Where have those fans gone yeah. who are clearly receptive to watching it and can they be sort of persuaded to come back? Yeah. Um, well, the other thing I was going to say, uh, yeah, it just, the rest of the show, as you said, passed me by. It just, it was happening in front of me and I was watching it and I read your tweets obviously afterwards about this brilliant main event with these, and the spot, I could watch that and go, that's spectacular. But I wasn't, oh my God, that's amazing. I went, wow, that's that's really, it's really something they've done there. Wow. But, yeah, wow. But I don't know. I just, it felt like all the air, if I was a balloon, all the air had gone out of me. Or a balloon. But... <laughs> But Adam will balloon. Like, if I didn't <laughs> Adam will balloon. If I didn't do this for a job, I mean, I'd watch Dynamite and a few other shows anyway. But I certainly would tune in next week to see what happens. Oh, I, I, and and I'm glad that we have the platform to later on discuss what on earth happens at all out. Because, like you say, it's not just well, he's lost the title and he's injured, so he's gone. Well, maybe he's not gone. Maybe he's like, no, 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 no I'm going to strap this up and we're going to go again, and I'm not going to. Or maybe. You know, someone else takes his place, and Hangman Page is there, and uh, Kenny, not Kenny Omega, but you know, Hangman Page is there, and, and there's the MJF thing that's still the mm. elephant in the room with all this. But um, I yeah. love John Moxley so much, and he's such a great human being. It's not a parasocial thing. I just think he is. Sorry, yeah. right? That even if the thing that's playing out in my head doesn't happen, and Mox is just the champion, and that's the end of that. That's the end of that chapter. Mox pitched this by all accounts. What a chad move. <laughs> no, I'm going to do I'm going to kick CM and Punk's ass in two minutes and win the belt. He Bob Hollied it. He Bob Hollied it. He's either Bob Hollied it or CM Punk's going to show you the two best sides of one of the best wrestlers in history within a month period. Or Moxie got the Bob Holly push. Two of the best things ever. That is great. That was the last thing I resented, by the way. I dreamed of the day that I could toast John Moxie winning the title again. And Cedric's. Like, seven-day hatred of CM Punk generated that excitement for him where it didn't for me. Mm. I was willing, and I knew he wasn't going to beat Kenny Omega, but I was willing to get the belt back off Kenny Omega when they were still feuding over it, and then I was waiting for him to right the wrong and the injustice and one day get back in the loop. He's done it out by kicking ass. Yeah, and I was like, I, I, I felt nothing for it. Mm. Like, it's John Moxley. I agree with all those, and it probably is parasocial at points. I fucking love that man. Like, and I just, yeah, I I did, like, I popped and cheered when Punk beat Page. And Paige is this, like, beloved, sympathetic yeah. babyface. So I was like, Punk's my guy, and he's just won the bet. This is amazing. And Mox is maybe even more my guy, and I, just, I felt nothing for it. It was, yeah, it was so surreal. Like, so we talked two belts today about, know? like, when Lesnar hits the, what is it, third F5 or yeah. whatever it is on, on Taker, and you were there, obviously. And I'm watching it, you're going, holy sh... It's happening. This is it. It's happening. When Moxley hit the second, first death ride, I was like, okay, he's going to kick out. And then he hit the second death ride, and I was like, oh, he's not going to kick out. One, two, three. Oh. That's it. Like, I, 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 everyone has This is over. Me. People are pretty pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I did, like, the first, like, the, I've tweeted it. Because, what the hell was that? <laughs> I just, I, but you've won me over somewhat, Sid, with your explanation. Let it play out. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll, we'll see. 
But I'll tell you one thing that didn't matter, Christian Cage's promo that came after because <laughs> you were already bouncing off the walls. Me and him were like, oh, oh, I don't know what to feel about life anymore. Christian Cage is backstage. He's got I wonder how many fights there were that it was like, uh, women's division there? And, uh, we're going to have to do something else to him. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be something else. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's got his arm in a sling. He says, uh, I was trying to extend the, the last olive branch to, to Jungle Boy last week. One last apology, a chance, opportunity for him to apologize. Uh, but he's not smart enough. He'll never be as smart as me. You've got the audacity to challenge me to a match it all out. Uh, and then you try to deliberately injure me. That's fine. I've seen it all. I've done it all. Um, you're going to find out all out that I'm not average. If you want average, scan the crowd in Ohio. Uh, I'm an anomaly. I'm special. All out. Even if I'm less than 100%, you will find out you are not and you will never be in my league. And he accepts. This is one of those things where in about five months' time, if the topic comes up, I'll go, oh, Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, what a bit of business all that was. Yet the week-to-weeks has been great. It's been... Eh. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and has been solid. This was solid. Yes, that's love. Christian Cage is deadpan. He's so goddamn. Every time he talks about, like his personal insults were different. Yeah, I, I, know. Love, I love that. Like latest tactics taken. Like it, the whole point for a few weeks was like, "Why well, is MJF now? What's the worst thing he can say?" Now he's reduced that to like, "Come on, I wasn't being serious about those incredibly serious personal <laughs> yeah. comments I made." Hey, um, hey, hey, hey! You're taking it too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. him deciding where the line is. Like, oh, so those are the rules today? Are they Christian? Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> I've remembered while we're on about Ohio. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, punk in uh, Cleveland is becoming a cool thing, isn't it? Because it was where Mickey Gall knocked him clean on his ass and the Mizzlers ran free in his head. <laughs> so like, <laughs> punk in Cleveland is, is good LTST. <laughs> uh, and then we got to hear from Ricky Starks as well. Um, he's, he's hurt. He's, he has been hurt. He's pissed off. Um, he's been dealing with a lot of stuff. Team Taz being over, losing the FTW title, dealing with the factory, and then, of course, his issues with powerhouse Hobbs. Um, you know, people, the vets, they were telling him this is this is uh, the show business, not friends business, but he thought he might have been the exception. Hobbs was his friend, a guy he trusted. When he broke his neck last year, Hobbs would check on him every single day, um, and there was a guy who wanted to see him make a big comeback. But the thing about people wanting you to see you do good is they never want to see you do better than them. I thought that was a nice line. Um, he said, let's not forget about when you were playing in the bloody background for Britt Baker in a bedazzled T-shirt. I took you with me. Uh, if I ate, you ate. And you've got the nerve to blame me. I should have known when Hobbs decided to turn his back on me. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, turn his back on a nightmare. I should have known. Um, and then Hobbs not only betrays him, he hits him in his neck. His neck. He says, and you know about when you know about everything. I was close to losing it all again. I used to call you a friend. He says, you know, what I call him now a low down, dirty slime ball scheming snake. <laughs> Where I'm from, we cut the. Oh, sorry, Tony. When I when kill I, a male, Ricky. You got him. That's Taz. He says, no, sorry, I'm, I'm ruining what was a, a very fired-up promo here from Ricky Sox. He's a low-down, dirty, slimeball, scheming snake, and where we're from, where I'm from, we cut the heads off snakes, and he throws his shirt off. He says, Springfield. <laughs> he says, yeah, you want to quote, quote New Jack? Want to bring your $5 ass to Chicago and fight me at all out? Great. Yes, yeah, was great. So, like, as much as I was fired up, I could sense, ooh, a lot of people are not going to be on the wavelength of dynamite. So, yeah, it's a shame this happened this week because Ricky Starks, like, channeling how to cry perfectly, it's a very difficult skill. Cody Rhodes can do it sometimes. Other times he goes, mm, 
<laughs> Which is almost like the UFC guy. It is. Um, what do you want to um, Rick Starks, I was like, oh my God, please win. Please, please win. This means so much to you. Because you're so good at crying on on screen, <laughs> and yeah, this is just an excellent bit of business. Exactly what uh, this program needed. Yeah, uh, get the factory out of here. I broadly agree with that. I, um, his delivery was fantastic, and I think it actually elevated some middling material. A lot of exposition here, more it's than been a, a lot of it on the show. Yeah, more than AEW <laughs> would normally lay out. Not a fan, but this is the power of having good promos on your roster and like. You've said it about WWE for years. Like, if you can elevate good, bad material, you stand a chance. This wasn't bad material, but he was elevating it nonetheless. Um, best in the world, my ass. Oh. Go backstage to Moxley. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not <laughs> how I was supposed to go. Best in the world, my ass. People were writing his obituary the moment Punk came in. People write him off. Those people don't matter. Uh, the answer to any problem that might be in professional wrestling is John Moxley. He says he is professional wrestling. I'm not just some guy. I am the guy. People might ask, when's my time? Moxley's time's right. Flipping now, basically. I'm Lisa Simpson, and I want to ring the Moxley hotline and just stay on the end of the phone until I fall asleep. Like, I put this on Twitter this morning. This transported me to lockdown. Thankfully, not because we're in that timeline anymore, but because I think my emotions were. I was a bit like... Oh, I feel I feel nothing ever. That was every day. That was every hour of every day during the <laughs> lockdown, and it was just a second hour of dynamite. And then, just like back then, world champion John Moxley snaps me out of it with just an all-time bro- like this was incredible. Not only was this related to a subject that I was extremely sore on at this point, so he's having to address a situation that I really haven't enjoyed. And well, I love you, so you can say whatever the f- you like. But the messaging was so on point. This like statement of intent. Somebody that has taken something that could appear like a. Uh, that wasn't what we expected. If you were certainly with my way of thinking, and turned it into, well, why wouldn't we expect it? John Mox is a badass. John Mox is the hardest guy in the world, so he can't, he's the only guy that can do this. Um, selling that the words that CM Punk uttered last week hurt, and that part of what he did was a response to those words, and like putting over thus that like you can get to me, but you'll fucking pay for it, was inspired as well. Like best in the world. My ass was just one of the most cutting remarks that CM Punk's had to face so in a year. So economical with oh. his words. Oh, just, he's, he is a level above. Like, he is everything that he says he is, and this week he said he was the, like, the answer to every question and solution to every problem. That's always John Moxley. The most valuable player, then, now, forever, in AEW. Like, I, they'll, <laughs> I say they're right books. Hopefully Sidgwick will add more to his first book. Moxley can write his own. It'll still be about John Moxley. Like he's, it's amazing that in the elite and in Cody and in and in Tony Khan, this is the guy. This is the heart and soul, and this is the core. Like now, I'm fired up that he's the two-time world champion, the first ever two-time world champion, no less. Now I'm fired up because he talks me into feeling fired up. It's one of those where it shouldn't be him, but this would be a potentially good podcast for down the line. If there was an AEW Hall of down Fame, going yeah. oh, down the line now. If there was an AEW Hall of Fame, and don't answer. He would be the first inductee. Yeah. Paul White. Paul White. <laughs> <laughs> Paul goddamn White. You're a useless, wasted goddamn space. <laughs> what does he do? <laughs> I'd have to say, Fuego del Sol. <laughs> uh, main event time. Oh, my God. Right. Quick issue ID with this. Just don't talk. Don't go move. I move. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and describe it. It's not going to do the justice. 
My issue, not to do with the match or the performers, or even probably Excalibur. Stop calling this a semi-final, right? He kept calling it a semi-final, right? And I, I, throughout the show, I was going, what the f***'s going on? Why has no one got in his ear and gone, Excalibur, it's not a semi-final, it's a quarter-final. So this, this is the first round, and then there's going to be two more matches, and then there's going to be one more match, and that'll be the final. I was just so baffled by this, because later on he went, don't forget, other se- uh, semi-final. And I was like, so wait a second, you've got a semi-final, you've got another match to- after that, and then there's another semi-final. What are you on about? I subsequently realised it's just their weird way of describing it. This was the Dynamite semi-final, and then we've got the Dynamite final, and then we've got the Rampage semi-final on Friday, and then we're going to have the Rampage final, and then we're going to have the final final? I don't know. Just, you needlessly... You've been listening to WWE commentary for five years, and you've never done this. You're biased. I know, but this, was, this, I, this just threw me, because I, was ju- I thought... Michael Cole should have thrown you. Five years. Oh, but it's great now. No, but uh, that's because I... I that, wrestling. That's because I listen to AEW commentary. I don't listen okay. to it. I don't listen to, I don't listen to it. Are they suggesting, if this is like a Dynamite semi-final, are they saying, well... It's like, stupid. There's Dynamite legs of the trios tournament, and then there's Rampage ones. Because the Rampage ones are crap. Because so far, <laughs> that's proven true. Yeah. So, like, maybe that's what they're saying. Like, some, some work on Rampage. Some, some games are three o'clock kickoffs. Yeah, some on Sky. Some games are the World Cup. It's World Cup semi-final on BBC. The crap ones are nice. Right, okay. So, let's get to the match, because I know you're going to have a lot of fun with this, Sige. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to miss out probably some of your favourite spots, so I apologise in advance. Go and watch the match, and then come back and listen to this. Right, it was Death Triangle versus United Empire. It was the quarter-final of the uh, AW Trio's Tag Team Title Tournament. Uh, Ray Phoenix and Will Ospreay, quite good to start off with. Um, uh, they all square off. Phoenix takes out both of Aussie Open with a double cutter. Topes from Death Triangle, uh, simultaneous ones. Lucha Bros hit an assisted uh, splash. They beat down Will Ospreay. Aussie Open come in and save him. Os- Ospreay hits a twisting Orihara moonsault and an assisted dropkick. That gets him a two count. We see the best friends are there watching at ringside. Uh, Phoenix gets isolated. He makes a comeback. Double springboard arm drag. Penta comes in. Diving crossbody. Sling blades. Crucifix bomb. Goes to the fear fire. Mark Davies fights out. All the open. Hit a double team for a two count. Go to break. Come back. Death Triangle running wild. Pack takes out Aussie Open, hits Osprey with a German. Osprey tries to fight out of it, but Phoenix walks the ropes and kicks his hands away, and he, oh, he hits that for a near fall. Um, Lucha Bros and Aussie Open tee off on another. Uh, thrust kicks get traded. Double poison runners on their tag team opponents, and then Osprey and Pack are there. They're facing off. They trade forearms. Pack hits him with that brilliant kicks of his. They just look brutal. Um, Hits him with a German. Osprey fires straight back up and hits an Oz cutter. There's a double down. Osprey gets back to his feet, goes for the cheeky Nando's pack, escapes, and hits a top rope brain buster to take us to a break. Phoenix, uh, when we come back, hits a springboard Hurricane Rana, but Osprey lands on his feet because he defies logic. Uh, Phoenix hits a rolling cutter. Penta hits Davis with a step-up dive. Phoenix lands a Torneo on Fletcher. Osprey counters the Black Arrow into a cradle for a great near fall. Pack reverses the Stormbreaker into Hurricane Rana pin for another near fall. Load of big moves. Step up Destroyer from Penta on bloody Carl uh, Fletcher. Um, Osprey catches a uh, Pack Moonsault, but Pack adjusts that into a DDT, sets up for the Black Arrow, but Kyle Fletcher pulls Osprey out of the ring. And Pack sets himself up on the ring post and moonsaults to the outside onto both of them. And then suddenly Pack's attention is diverted to what we presume is Kip Sabian. There's the lad with the box on his head, overrated, uh, underrated over it, the whole thing like that. And Pack's had his issues with him recently and he starts shouting and pointing at him. And Kip Sabian is unboxed. 
But it's not Kip Sabian. It's some twat with a black eye. <laughs> tape over his mouth. Why wouldn't you take the box off and just reveal his shoe? Your hands aren't tied. It's <laughs> baffling, this bit. But all this distraction allows Kip Sabian to attack Pack from behind. And I go, cool, why isn't the bell ringing? I have no idea what the referee was distracting himself with at this point. It had been two minutes before since anything had happened. I think he was maybe checking on Phoenix in the corner. No idea, regardless. Uh, I'll allow it because of the mad stuff that had happened before. He's probably just catching up on what on earth had happened in this match. Um, Davis hits uh, Lariat on Phoenix. Uh, takes out Penta with a drop kick, and Osprey hits an assisted Oz cutter for the one, two, three. We're getting it. We're getting Osprey versus Omega uh, as part of the semi finals. Uh, United Empire advance and post match. Kenny Omega comes out. He's covered in Kinesio tape. Yeah. Covered in it. Uh, Young Bucks are there. And he's, oh, one can't hear his hands on him, but they stare down to close the show. The bit with Kenny Omega was good because it just, oh, people aren't getting it. So let's just do it a little bit more. It's probably fine. Probably fine. But like, hey, Kenny looks like shit. <laughs> That's what they said on commentary. So they've underlined and emboldened and italicized that. Um, I'm going to just get the complaints out of the way because I would just like to do a little mark-out festival. Right. This take is going to age like milk next week purely because the Osprey and Omega stuff is going to be such a great central thread that it will justify slowing the pace. But these 30-minute, 25 to 30-minute or whatever trios matches don't work for the genre on television with the, the necessity for commercial breaks. Yes. They need to shorten them. Otherwise, it's one thing where it's like, right, do the whole slow it down because you don't want to do anything in the commercial. To do it twice is something of a momentum killer. And even if they wait around on the top turnbuckle, we're back on Dynamite. Here's the best movie you'll ever see in your life. It's the ultimate fusion of Phoenix's lucha rope work, dancing on the ropes, and then the alien supernatural Will Ospreay doing this flip perfectly on his feet. Looks like a sonic ball, and then he's just a guy on his feet. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So you get the crowd back like that. You instantly snap me out of the lull of the, the lull of the break. But to have two of those moments just means you'll never get a five star, and that's what they're shooting for here. You can't get five with two momentum breaks, even if you can get the momentum straight back. If that makes any sense at all, mm-hmm. it's not like this complete thing. It isn't because of the two commercial breaks. Aussie opens ground and pound looked a bit weak at points. I'm thinking these are two big lads. You should be... There was a bit carrying cross adjacent to some of their work on the ground and pound at times. And the Kip Sabian thing was a complete load of nonsense that the guy didn't have to stand there. <laughs> didn't have to stand there. It would have been so much better if Kip Sabian had just paid somebody off. Well, it's the thing, is it? Yeah, it was... The I work out whether Zach it was... Jr. Like, Joe. Whether, so you, it, like you say, you pay someone, you go, you're going to pretend to be me, and that's going to... Pack might, might hit you, but that's why I'm paying Danger you this money. much. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to jump him, don't worry. He's not going to really get his hands on you. Or you beat him up and make him stand there. But what happened was, he stood there, he went, wait until the box got taken off his head, and he went, it's not me! I'm not going to say it, And he had a black eye, so you're like, well, your hands are free, why don't you just take the box off and go, bollocks to you? <laughs> Implication was that, oh, Kip will beat me up again if I leave. Mm. Uh, just don't do a stupid angle. Ultimately, don't do a stupid angle. This match, despite the momentum killer of the second commercial break, was absolutely incredible. Some of the chops between Pack and Osprey were like, piss off, Dax, are we? <laughs> <laughs> we can do this better than you. That was incredible. 
Some of the aerials were absolutely unbelievable. As I said, that Os- that Osprey Phoenix bit was sublime, like actual mind blowing stuff. And yet, Pack and Osprey's stuff was a better match than a match mm. than even Osprey versus Phoenix. The rotations of the flips, how narrowly they avoided each other's head. It's like they'd been programmed by a physics engine that can do things that humans can't. It was just a different kind of pro wrestling magic. Absolutely incredible, crisp execution that I've you rarely see stuff as good as that. They were like millimeters away, millimeters and nanoseconds away from breaking each other's necks, but because they're so incredible, they're so unbelievably gifted that um, it just was perfectly executed the whole time. I thought the storytelling in this match was great. I haven't felt this much for Pac, despite having great matches with um, the House of Black mm-hmm. all year. I haven't felt this much for Pac or believed in him such a great deal as I did in this match because they've basically told you Osprey's pretty much the best wrestler in the world, bell to bell. What we're doing in this match is mirroring Pack and Osprey, drawing them together, building the anticipation for their climactic showdown. And it's like, oh, they're on the same level. And what does that say of Pack all of a sudden in AEW all over again? So that was great. Like, it, some of it looked like it really, really hurt. <laughs> yeah. The all action spot, 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 spot bits were fantastic. Every time Osprey in the ring was in the ring. And I've got this thing where I just don't like certain wrestlers. And because I'm not a mark, I just think. No matter how good you are, I don't really care. Osprey is simply so good that I just have to drop my biases towards him. Osprey's the best. I was thought, thought this you were talking then. Osprey's the best wrestler in the world, bell to bell, despite the fact he's, he's a, a bell, bell end. end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another great spot was I love, you know, I remember Ishii clenching his teeth on the ropes against Omega, like the idea of a struggle. And it was just such a cute way of saying, oh, we're going to do struggles in this match. It's not just this cooperative dance, but we're also going to do this incredible cooperative dance, high spot, incredible move to break it up. Phoenix sprinting over the top rope to get his hands off, convey, it's the ultimate version of the best kind of this match, like a struggle of a wrestling match, but also this unbelievable strand of athleticism that is something only this sort of match can do. That spot was perfection, so well thought out. I just wish it was a little bit more compact, clean. It didn't have that Kip Sabian bollocks at the end. They've got something obviously incredible with this trio's division. I just think the first two big dynamite matches, in terms of the duration, have been a little bit too ambitious, but they'll get it right. Yeah, like, you know, I've said before, sometimes I'm just watching moves happen. Like, the moves I was watching happen here were incredible, but I was just watching moves happen. The rope run and the um, Poison Rana spots where I actually felt something was where my sort of whatever this fog or whatever it was I was in, I was like, I don't, I don't care, I don't like this. I don't like this endeavour anymore. Like those were the two times it's actually snapped me out of it. And I like, now I'm not just saying that as a, well, here's an immensely subjective take, just isolated only to my personal view and experience. Because genuinely, I think that reflects maybe what other people were feeling too, off the back of the Punk Moxie match. I don't think I'm alone in that. Off a few comments I've seen on Twitter this morning, and the uh, the mere idea that I can't be the only one, like a match with such a shocking outcome, kind of is going to generate that in some people. But So those were the two moments for me that snapped me out of this just malaise I had. For the for pro wrestling brackets general, the Stormbreaker reversal. Sorry, oh my god, Su- it's like super super impressive moves. Um, I, d- I do need to give this match a second go. Mm. I'm I'm less convinced by the trios division long term, honestly, 
But I, I wonder if some of that is from what's currently happening with the tag belts. Like, I kind of, like, is this going to be another... You've know, gone off trails lately, have you? When Young Bucks and Kenny have gone through, done the, like, won the belts, lost them, whatever. Like, I'm not as convinced by it as a form, as a weekly. I know, like, people might call me hypocrites. Like, are you willing the belts into existence for the longest time? Like, it wasn't as high on my list as some other things. But, of course, I wanted to see it because they'd set up so many. Mm. I'm more interested, I, I will say this, I'm more interested in this when the belts have been established because of what AEW's done over three years has shown that it can tell a load of trios stories. Mm. Like, it builds up a ton of stables and a ton of, like, the feuds will feel very organic. I'm yet to be convinced that long-term the matches are getting a little, here we are, back to 2019. I didn't like the Dynamites that were so heavily reliant on the banger tags, and that could just be a taste thing. But angles-wise, I think it's got a great chance in the matches. They just need five minutes taken off these matches, yeah. and it'll be something special. Yeah, and an ad break taken out. Well, that's how you take away yeah. the yeah. five Easy. minutes. Uh, well, well, let us know your thoughts on, well, everything we've discussed on AEW Dynamite on Twitter. Fascinating to know your thoughts on, obviously, the title match, but everything on this show. At what culture WWE? If you want to get in touch with us, uh, watch that. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, myself and the Daddy Boys back later on today to talk about what needs to happen at All Out, which is well, what, just over... Nine days! We'll just have to go out there and just go, I don't know, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anymore. Anyway, this has been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.